Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, Cornerstone. If you think you're surprised to see me up here, imagine how I feel. <laughs> uh, Pastor Jacob um, is really quite ill. He was not feeling well when he preached last night. It's not anything contagious. He doesn't have a virus, uh, nothing like that. But I'm going to ask you in a minute to join me in praying for him. Um, he has had uh, something recurring uh, this year uh, several times, uh, the same thing that makes him very, very sick. And um, we don't know what it is, and he's going to be uh, checking to find out uh, what it is. You know, lots of people suggest it may have something to do with having COVID a couple of times. Uh, we don't know that. But what we do know is that God is big and God is mighty. And we do know that Jacob is our God-appointed leader, and we need him. We need him. So I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer right now, if you would, for Pastor Jacob, that uh, he will recover quickly and that God will heal him and that um, we'll get to the heart of what's going on. Father, we thank you this morning for Jacob. We thank you for your calling and your anointing on his life. We thank you for your presence in his life. I pray that right now you will encourage him, that you will lift up his heart, and that you will begin to work healing in his life for the long term. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I wish that he was here to preach to you because even though he didn't feel well last night, he really, really preached a great sermon. And um, it's wonderful. We're heading into our new here and now. The other thing, though, that I'm grateful for is I was here, and I took really good notes. I had no idea I would be needing my notes. Uh, he sent me his notes, but, you know, it's kind of like Saul wearing... Uh, or David wearing Saul's armor, it doesn't fit very well. You kind of have to do your own thing in order for you to uh, preach well. But the, pain, the main points and the thought of this message t today are his, but uh, it's got my, my color in it. This is the anniversary of our kickoff. Wasn't that video from last year great? Yeah, it's really great. And there's lots of additions to that that we'll be hearing about in the next days. Bigger numbers, bigger all kinds of stuff. It's really, really good. But um, in this building campaign, over the last year, we have grown a lot. We have learned a lot. We've matured. We've done that. Have you ever gone through a stage of time that you thought you were pretty cool then, and then later you looked back on it, and you were like, dear Lord, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. Well, Maddie and I, uh, right up here is Maddie. I'll make sure you all know Maddie. <laughs> this is Maddie. Maddie and I were talking last night before the service, and I don't really know how we got talking on this, but she was showing me some pictures and things. And we were talking about styles of clothes and hairstyles that we, uh, you know, used to wear before. And she showed me a couple of pictures in, of herself, and that's what she said. What was I thinking? What, what was I thinking? And she said that basically... For the better part of a full year, she wore a sideways ponytail. You know, I think she should get a pass on that because she grew up with, you know, full house. And, they, you know, they all wore those. So, so I think she could get a pass. But do you have pictures like that? Pictures that you don't want anyone to show? You know, with my grandkids, when they um, are wearing something ridiculous or doing something ridiculous, it won't be unusual for one of the aunts or uncles to say, save that, show it at their wedding reception, because that's the kind of stuff. We grow and we get past things, and we wonder 
why we thought that way. Well, God does remarkable things as we grow and mature, and it's a good thing that he does. And we as a church have grown and matured, not from terrible things, but we're just growing and, and getting closer and closer to God. We have grown and experienced and learned so much last year, over this last year, and there's so much of it that you could only call supernatural to sum up the events because things have happened. We have learned things. We've grown things. Things have happened that could only be accounted for by God. The title that Pastor Jacob gave to the message today is the road so far and this is about the road that we've been on it is how we as a church a group of people but not just a group of people all of us as individuals who have been uh, participating in this walk of faith what we've learned and how God has helped us what he's done for us Uh, this sermon uh, this morning is not just for us as a group but it's for you and I as individuals because this is how God works with us if we want to move forward. So we're going to look at God's goodness that we just sang about. There's so many lessons we can learn. Now, the the guide that we're going to take uh, to look at the blessings of God in our lives and to see what we've learned is from Psalm 77, and I'm going to encourage you to follow along with me as I read it. Psalm 77, starting at verse 1. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. Have you had a night like that before? Yeah, you've had those? I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I, you know, I, I remember there was a time when I thought being up at 2.13 in the morning or 2.30 in the morning was pretty cool. That day is not today. <laughs> I don't like it anymore. I don't like it anymore because if I'm awake now, I'm troubled. Most of the time, I'm troubled if I'm awake. Then something is concerning me, and maybe you can identify with that. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated, and my spirit asked me, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Again, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of you who have felt that. You've thought, God must be mad at me. Something must be wrong. I don't feel him answering my prayers here. Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. We can learn from this psalm right here how to get ourselves through and how to make sure that we're living in the goodness of God. The very first lesson that we as a church have learned, I've learned it individually. I hope that you have. The very first lesson is there in in verses 10 through 12. God's favor isn't limited to the famous. It's not limited to the big shots. It's not, it's not just those. You know who wrote this psalm? Who wrote most of the psalms? David, right. He didn't write them all. He wrote most of them. There were a couple written, written by Moses, and we all know who he is, but there are a few others written by this guy who wrote this, just a few. His name is Asaph, and pretty much the only thing we know about him is that he was a member of the worship team. That's... That's what we know. Yeah, yay. I hear some yays over here. That's good. Um, He was a member of the worship team. And and yet here he is 
all of these centuries later, being used by God, God is using him to bless other people. He was much lesser known than David and Moses, much lesser known, but God showed favor on him and blessed him and used him. Isn't that a good thing? That's a really good thing. When I think about Cornerstone Church, I, you know, I look at it and I know we're not a megachurch. We are not a megachurch, not, not one of those great big churches that everybody knows who they are. As a matter of fact, if you Google Cornerstone Church, you'll find lots of Cornerstone Churches. You'll find lots of those, and so you want to make sure you put Cornerstone Church, Akron, Ohio. Uh, You want to make sure that you do that, and you'll find it especially if you're sharing with people. There's a, when I hashtag, when I post quotes from Pastor Jacob on Sunday morning, when I hashtag Cornerstone Church, I have to be really careful because there is a huge Cornerstone Church, a huge Cornerstone Church that is doctrinally and in all kinds of ways very different from us, and I do not want our church to get mistaken from, uh, with them, but they have on their thing, they have more than 80,000 tweets. That's a lot. That's, that's a lot, more than 80,000 hashtags. And, and ours has more than 5,000, which is great, but we're so much smaller than they are. But guess what? Our size doesn't matter. We get the favor of God. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? And it doesn't matter about you. The same way you get the favor of God. We don't, has anybody noticed that we don't have millions of dollars around here? Yeah, we, we don't have that. But many of, the, many of the churches that we look at and, you know, we hear about, they have big-name pastors. Their names are uh, immediately recognizable. They have money running out their ears. They're always doing updates. They're always doing those kind of things. We don't have that. They have thousands of followers. They have name, name recognition. They have all kinds of things. But they do not have a, a monopoly on the favor of God. They do not. We have the favor of God. God has done so much for us. He's done so much for us, and and it's nothing short of miraculous, the money that has been pledged and come in. And here's the amazing thing. You'll hear more about this because we have lots of updates on this. But one of the amazing things about it is that in the money that we've raised so far, which at this point is well over uh, $300,000 that we've raised in cash, that very little of that has come from gifts that are $5,000 or more. Most of it has come from smaller gifts with individual people obeying God and doing the right thing. Isn't that wonderful? God is showing his favor on us as we believe. It's only God, and it's the same in your life. It's the same in your life. You don't have to be big and famous. You don't have to be the best, the coolest, the most, the most anything for God to smile on you. God's favor isn't just limited to the ones who look good and seem to be the biggest. Lesson number two, the best indicator of God's future provision is God's past faithfulness. That's what Asaph did. When he's awake at night and he's feeling like, man, God's not answering my prayers and what's going on here? Has he forgotten who I am? Or worse yet, is he angry at me? What's going on here? What did he do about it? He looked at God's faithfulness in the past. He said, I will look at the years when the Lord Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember all your miracles. I will consider your works and meditate on them. Nothing is better when you're in a low moment and you're lacking faith than to look at the faithfulness of God because he will always be faithful. We can look at what God has done for us right now. 
just right now, the building that we're sitting in is an evidence, <clears throat> excuse me, of God's faithfulness to us. Now, of course, we all know it's not nearly big enough. If you think it's big enough, just try to go to the ladies' restroom in between services, okay? You'll find out that that's not true. The only reason that this is being able to service now is because of COVID, that we have so many people who watch online. Our online attendance is more than triple what we have uh, here. But, um, you know, with three services, now that we have COVID, we can do it here. God didn't plan COVID, you know, for us to get a building. Not at all. He doesn't do those kinds of things. But what he does is Romans 8, 28. In all circumstances, he works for the good of those who love him. We had checked out this property before, been in here many times, um, but it just was not going to happen, even though it was beautiful property and there was nothing else around here until COVID. And when COVID happened and it became very clear it was going to be long haul, the board of directors checked it out again, came and looked and said, yeah, we think we could do this for this period of time. And God has us here. It was a great price, absolutely working for us. It's great. And we found again that we are living in the goodness of God. We're living in the goodness of God. And he's done that for us all the way through. We have lived in the goodness of God. Think about what God has done for you. Now, just like my coal miner's hat, that is such a blessing to me. It's such an encouragement to me when I see it hanging on the wall. I see it every single day. It always sparks faith. It always sparks a thought. I never pass it without thinking about it. The stories in your life, when you meditate on them, when you think of the goodness that God has shown to you in your life, in your past, you know, you need to make sure your family knows about that. You need to know, make sure that your spouse knows about the, that, your children, your friends. Tell them that because it will help them and it will help you because you remember that if God's been faithful before, he will be faithful in the future and his faithfulness goes ahead of us. Now, I told you that if you uh, are at my house, you might think that you're in a museum because the reminders of God's faithfulness are everywhere in the house for me. Let me tell you about another one of those. Uh, Charlie and I were married in 1974, and uh, we were going to graduate school in the blizzards of the late 1970s. Is there any other old person here that can remember those blizzards? Okay, they were rough. They were really, really rough. They were um, something like now, only at least in my memory, they were worse than what we experience right now. At that time, we were in a 10 by 50, 50 1950 little pink trailer. Uh, we lived in Wilmore, Kentucky. We were going to grad school, and we were there on a wing and a prayer. We had no money. We had some student loans. I uh, worked as a, a house cleaner, picking up individual jobs. Uh, Charlie did landscaping, and he was a, a proud member and a very highly rated uh, official in the Kentucky uh, Bluegrass Basketball Association. And that's how we made our money, and we pastored a little tiny church that um, we got uh, $72 a week for pastoring there. And we had to drive back and forth from Cincinnati to Kentucky to go there. In the middle of this blizzard, our furnace caught on fire and went out. We were uh, hustling to get things out of there that we thought had to be saved, and we got, the, we got the furnace, the fire put out, but then we had no heat for the rest of the winter, and we lived in that furnace with no heat. It was cold. It was cold. We spent as much time as we could, not in the trailer, but out of the trailer, other places. 
But to sleep there, we would pull out the mattress from our little bedroom in the back, and we would put it on the the floor of the kitchen um, living room area that went together. And, you know, we were pretty well newlyweds, and it was very romantic. We slept in sweat sweatpants and piled up with blankets and, you know, all of this with the propane oven uh, open so we could get the heat from that. I already know that's not safe, so you don't need to lecture me on that. Uh, <laughs> we lived through it. But anyways, that's, that's how it was. And we didn't tell anybody. We, we didn't tell our friends. We didn't tell uh, either set of our parents because both of us were very convinced that we needed. We felt like, we, you know, we had no idea what pastoring would be like really but we knew that we needed to learn to have faith, and our faith couldn't be in people coming through for us. It would need to be God. So we didn't, we didn't tell them. Now, here's the other thing. Uh, we didn't have money for food either. We went 31 days straight. There's a whole story connected with that. I don't have time to tell you. But we went 31 days straight where we either had a peanut butter or a jelly sandwich because we didn't have uh, enough of it to go around to you know, put it both on the same piece of bread. Uh, we either had that or green beans. And um, so, you know, that's the way we lived, and it was, it was okay. We were making it. It was so cold in our bathroom that, uh, you know, and the water was frozen. You couldn't take a shower or do anything like that, and the water wouldn't run out of the spigot. So uh, we would go to the gymnasium to take a shower, and the, at, um, at nighttime we would bring a bucket of water back to the house, and it would be there to wash our face and brush teeth and everything with that in the morning. It was so cold in the morning, you had to poke through the ice uh, to uh, wash your face or to, to brush your teeth. But that's the way we were doing it, and it, it was okay. We knew it wouldn't last forever. Spring would come, and we'd eventually have enough money to fix that furnace. Um, it was Valentine's Day, and I hadn't even given a thought to the fact that it was Valentine's Day because there was a uh, special event at the school, but we weren't going because we didn't have the money to pay for the tickets. And we didn't have anything planned for Valentine's Day because we had no money, and I had forgotten it was that. Charlie got up early that morning, and he went up to the gymnasium uh, to take a shower. When I got up and I went into the bathroom uh, to brush my teeth and wash my face, I was so shocked when I went in. We had a big mirror that went all the way across the vanity in this little bathroom and sprayed all over of the mirror was frozen shaving cream that he had used to decorate the edges of the mirror and pictures drawn uh, in my lipstick. And in the middle of it was this. Not in a frame then, just this piece of paper. And he had made me a Valentine's Day card. And this is what it said. Happy Valentine's Day. We have no heat. We have no money. We can't buy meat. We can't buy honey. (laughs) <laughs> but I have you, and you have me. God will take care of us. Just wait and see. I love you, Charlie. If you think he was magnificent, you have no idea. He was wonderful. He was wonderful. And you know why that hangs in our house and why it has for all of these years? It's because as we took a road trip through our memories we realized how faithful God was to us. Going through that hard time together, learning how to make things work, learning how to not blame each other when there were problems, but to trust God and keep moving on, it just caused us to have so much faith in God and so much faith in each other. 
we realized as we looked over our past that our hard times had actually bonded us in such a great way. We couldn't think of ever leaving each other. We couldn't think of starting over with anyone else. We couldn't think of giving up on this relationship that had so much invested in it. But here's the thing. When we were going through it, it didn't feel like God's faithfulness. It didn't feel like our marriage was being made. It just felt hard. When we went back over that, though, with 1980s, 1990s, 2000s, eyesight, we saw that God had been incredibly faithful to us then and many, many times later. Charlie knows in full now how faithful God has been to us. And I see with 2022 hindsight that God never let us down. He was always there. And so when I'm awake at night and I wonder, where is God? Is he hearing me? I think about his faithfulness. And I think, well, he's always come through for me before. Why would he not now? I want to encourage you. Remember what God has done. When you are in a hard moment, think of what a miracle it is that you're even here. And when you get to heaven, you'll find out all kinds of stuff that God rescued you from that you didn't even know. God has been so faithful to you. It will give you faith for the future, and it will help others too. And you need to share what God has done for you. You need to tell your stories. You're not bragging on you. You're bragging on God. You need to do that. You know, as I became a a widow, I decided that I would be who I've always been, and I'd be very vulnerable about myself and just tell where I was. And and so I have made tons of friends with many, many widows. I got to speak at a at a um, one-word event in uh, Sugar Creek yesterday, and there were a lot of women there, and there were numerous ladies that I'd never met before who had started following me on Facebook. And one of them, <clears throat> I recognized her name, but I'd never met her before. Uh, she's in her probably early 50s, and she came up to me, and she introduced herself and told me her name was Terry, and I said, oh, I know you. I'm so sorry. I know your husband died this past year. He sounds like he was a wonderful man. And she said, yes. And she said, I love reading your post. You know, they help me so much. And she said, I I, want to tell you something that I hope you can tell, and it will help somebody else if you know someone that will help them. She said, you know, Russ was such a godly man, and I loved him so much, and I had no idea how I would make it when he died so suddenly, and it was, you know, just so hard on me. And she said, I've wept. You've seen my stuff. You know, I've written to you before. She said, I want to tell you what I did. She said, I was praying. I told God. God, could you just do this for me? Sometime, could you give me some kind of a witness that Russ is with you and everything's going to be okay? She said, I prayed that in faith, but nothing happened right away. And I had kind of, you know, let it go, kind of forgotten that I had actually prayed it aloud to God. She said, Russ was a long-distance truck driver. And most of our serious conversations happened when he was on the road and we would talk on the phone. And then we'd just have fun when he came home. So she said, one night I went to bed, and I'm sleeping hard. And all of a sudden, I hear the phone ring. Of course, this was in her dream. She said, I picked up the phone, and it was Russ. And she said his voice was so joyful. He was so happy. He was just so wonderful. And he said, babe, I can't wait till you see this. 
You can't imagine how wonderful it is here. Everything we believed is true. Stay strong. She said that was the conversation and he was gone. She said, I can't tell you. Did it make me not be sad anymore? No, but I can't tell you the strength that it poured into me. And she said, Brenda, if you have anybody who needs to tell that, hear that story, you tell that to them. I couldn't wait to get home because I have a young friend with three children who just suddenly lost her husband, and I knew how much it was going to matter to her to read that, and I sent it to her right away. I couldn't have encouraged her the way it really encouraged her, but I, I couldn't have done that if this lady wouldn't have had the courage to tell me how faithful God had been to her. Tell your stories. And our church, we needs to tell our story. The same is true for us. Everything we have believed about God is true. Stay strong. It's more wonderful than we know. Lesson number three. Lesson number three. Everyone likes miracles, but no one likes how they're made. My brother Jay, when he was a young guy not too long out of high school, he, walked, he worked for a while in a meat processing plant. And Charlie and I came up from um, Cincinnati and, and uh, uh, visited. And when we were here, he came home from work to my mom and dad's, and, and we asked him how he liked his job. And he was drinking coffee, and he said, he said it's, it's okay. He said, it's okay. But if you really like hot dogs, don't ever ask me how they're made. <laughs> That's kind of the way it is about miracles. We like miracles, but we don't want to know how they're made. We don't want to remember that a miracle is not when you find a parking place downtown. That's ridiculous. That's just lucky coincidence. And we say those things like, it was a miracle. You know, I found coffee on sale and I did this. No, that's not a miracle. It's not a miracle. A miracle is when you are at the end of your capabilities, at the end of your capacity, and if God doesn't come through for you, you are sunk. That's what a miracle is. And you can't pray for miracles unless you're willing to depend on God in that way. You just, you just can't get them. I have always loved biographies. When I was a young girl, my mom and dad got me, for Christmas uh, one year, a, a packet of 12 biographies of great men and women of the faith, and I devoured those things. One thing I didn't like about them, though, every one of them had a really hard period in their life. Everyone had gone through something desperate where God had to come through for them. And this is what I found out as I've lived all these years. That wasn't just true of these 12 people. That's true of every great person you will ever meet. If you ever meet a person who is consistently great throughout the course of their lifetime, they're great for God, they're great for their families, they're great for themselves, this is one thing that you will find out for sure about every one of them. They've been through some really hard times where God had to do a miracle or they weren't going to be okay. That's the way it works. You have to be willing to turn your desperation over to God and not believe that you can handle everything by yourself if you're going to have a miracle. And when you are faithful through your hard times and you let God's, God work, that is what makes you great. You say, well, I'm not sure that's true. Okay, think of one person that you know of who is consistently great, who lived their lifetime honestly for God and people and did not mess up their legacy. And tell me, when you find out everything about them, Did they go through any desperate situation where they had to find God? You will never find an exception to the rule because it's just that. God does his best work in hardships. 
we want miracles without situations that cause that to be necessary. But it's not that way. Romans 8.28 tells us that God does his best work in hardship every single time. God does it. That's the way he does it. Now, I could entertain you for a very long time talking about all kinds of things that our church has been through over the last 42 years, but I'm just going to concentrate on the last five. I'm going to just tell you a couple things from the last five years. If you've been here for five years or more, you know these stories in much more detail than I'm going to tell you. If you're new, some of this might surprise you a little bit, uh, but, uh, but let me just tell you a couple of those. First of all, we lost our building. We didn't lose our building because of lack of financial integrity or poor stewardship or anything like that. We had a beautiful building on what realtors told us was the prime piece of property uh, for building something in Coventry Township. We lost this building that we built with our own hands and people had invested uh, their funds in, their time and effort. They had been married there. They'd had funerals in their family there. They loved this place. We lost that building, not because of a doctrinal issue, not because we were unfaithful in one way or another, but the denomination that we belonged to at that time, uh, a lot of great people there, wonderful people, their doctrine is great, good people, but their financial policies at that time uh, began to really infringe on what we believed was our mission here at the church, and we worked with it as long as we could. And when it began to impact our ability to to reach the world through Clear Blue, our board of directors combined that with a few other things and said, this is it. If, if If they want to do this, we're going to have to leave the denomination. Now, the denomination that we were in is like many. Uh, It uh, had a trust clause in it that said that if a church leaves the denomination, uh, the building, no matter who paid for it, the building goes back to the denomination. We didn't think that was fair, and we checked to see um, if we could keep this building. We got legal counsel, and we found out absolutely we could keep that building, that in the last couple of years before this happened to us, that uh, the same trust clause had been tried four times in Summit County, and every time the local church won. And the attorneys told us, you'll win this easy. Not a problem. Well, there was a little problem. The little problem in the, is that in the New Testament, it says that two Christians should not take each other to court that they should settle their grievances between themselves. We took that very seriously, and we told the leadership that we were working with that we believed that it would not be honoring of God for us to put this out in the public and make God's people look bad to our community. And so we wanted our building. We thought it was only fair and right they should let us keep keep the building, but if they were determined to take it, they could have it. Well, they were determined to take it, and they took it. So we were suddenly homeless. We had exactly 30 days to get out of that building and find a new place. Pastor Charlie was working really hard for us, and he found us the Coventry Elementary School, and that's where we went. How many of you were part of the Set Up and Tear Down crew ever? Yeah, wasn't that fun? Woo! (laughs) If you're not thankful for this building for any other reason, you should be thankful for that. But it was difficult, so we... We lost that. We not only lost that, we lost a a significant number of people over it because, you know, some people thought we shouldn't have given up the building. Some people felt like, I don't want to go to church in a school. We, We lost people then. Then the next thing 
that happened after that, uh, we had a lot of courage and we started a second campus. We believed that it was part of our, our uh, calling from God to expand Cornerstone's DNA, which we believe is really powerful. We love people in a different way than the average church does. And so, you know, we, we felt we should do that. So we started a second campus and to our great surprise, uh, within three years, the leadership of the, of the campus that we started decided they wanted to be an independent church and they didn't want to be part of Cornerstone anymore. Uh, we did not split with hard feelings or anything like that, so I don't want you to think that. But <clears throat> when the, our second campus left us, it left us without more families. We had spent almost $300,000 in three years in, in paying for the expenses of that, that church and those people, and we lost two staff members during that, plus other people. That that was the second thing that happened. The third big, there were lots of other small things. The third big thing that happened is our greatest cheerleader, the vision caster for this church for more than 40 years, Pastor Charlie, died suddenly of a medical mistake. What the heck? I have to tell you, as the lead pastor here, I felt like a miserable failure. And when, when Charlie died, I was like, God, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What's, what's going on here? We needed a miracle. And it was so hard on me because I felt so thankful that little Cornerstone Church had come from 30 people, 40 people, way back in the day when we came here to Akron and become the place that got awards. You know, just a couple of years before we lost our building, we got an award for being one of the uh, top 200 fastest growing churches in the United States and then suddenly we're losing people by the fistfuls and we lose our building we have all of that we're giving it away it didn't feel right but you know what has happened in the last five years it's far bigger than any of that we have experienced God's faithfulness and a deeper dimension of God than we have ever known before ever you know, we have these hard moments when we need miracles. And God will never cut us short. He takes care of us every single time. A miracle can only happen for you when you are done with your resources. When you can't do another thing to make it happen and make it work. That's when God comes through. And it will only be explained by divine intervention. And we are here today, and I am here today, and I think... I'm a pretty fun and positive old lady. And, <laughs> and you know what? That's only because of a miracle. It's only because of God's intervention in my life. I love my life. I enjoy my life. God always comes through. He always comes through. It will almost always look differently than you thought it would, but he will always come through. And that takes us to number four. Always you need sacrifice. Sacrifice is not optional. It's a fundamental fact of faith. Jesus said... If you're going to be my disciple, you have to pick up your cross and follow me how often? Daily. You have to follow me daily. Sacrifice. It's sacrificing daily. I'm not going to read it to you because um, of the, the time factor here, but in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7, we read there that um, the Israelites finally defeated the Philistines. It starts in uh, chapter, uh, verse 7, and we read on through, and, and we find out that they finally, after all this time, they defeated 
the Philistines who were a thorn in their flesh and were always beating them up and always putting them in, in tough places. And, and they defeated them. When they defeated them and routed them, they, they ran and, and were completely destroyed. Samuel, who was their leader, he set up a, a stone and he called it an Ebenezer, which means God was with us. And he says, I'm putting it here. And this, this Ebenezer, this sign, this coal miner's hat, this picture, this says that God has always been with us and he's with us now. It's a memorial of God's faithfulness. And it, it came from sacrifice. These guys, the, the, um, the sacrifice that the Israelites made at that point in time was they were smaller than the Philistines. There was lots going on there, but they made the sacrifice, they went to war, and they did the thing that needed to happen. That's what we did as Cornerstone Church. We made the sacrifice of our old facility. We gave up the building, we gave up the land, uh, we walked away from the place that had housed our funerals, our weddings, our graduation parties, all those kinds of things. We did that, and we moved forward in faith and sacrifice. And the reason that we're here today is not because God dropped a million dollars from the sky on us. We're here today because of your sacrifice, because of my sacrifice, because we have decided to pick up our cross and do what needs to happen. You can do that boldly, boldly, when you believe that God will be faithful to you. And that's what we've been doing. Sacrifice after sacrifice in boldness, in confidence. Number five, repentance is the kindling for the fire of revival. Do you know why they were able, the Philistines were able to do this and why they were able to set up this memorial and say, here's how God has helped us? Well, it's because they repented. They had never been able to defeat the Philistines before. Why? Because they were too much like the Philistines. They had all kinds of false gods. They were worshiping the false gods around them. And before we get to this story that's in uh, 1 Samuel 7, right before that, you find out that what they did was repented. They said, this is terrible. What have we been thinking? Why have we been following these false gods? And they tore down all the altars to their false gods. And when they made that, that move, when they repented, repentance means change your mind. When they changed their mind about the way they had been living and the way they had not been following God, then revival happened. God lit a fire of revival in them that changed everything and gave them incredible power to win. That's the way it is for you and I. When we change our mind about the way we do our life, when we change our mind about where our loyalties are, when we change our mind about how much we'll obey God, when we change our mind about how we'll handle our money, how we'll handle our relationships, all of that, when we change our mind about who will be our number one, when we change that, revival starts to happen because God sets a fire in this. He will do it for you. Change your mind about what God is doing. Instead of saying, God is not answering my prayers... Say, God is not answering my prayers the way I wanted him to, but I'll be faithful. I will be faithful because God will be faithful to me. Romans 11.35 says this incredible thing. It says, God will be no man's debtor. Do you know what that means? God says, I'm never going to owe you anything. I'm going to more than repay you. Everything you have belonged to me to start with. You don't have that woman. You don't have that man because you're so great. You couldn't if it wasn't for me. You don't have that house. You don't have that job. You don't have anything that you did by yourself if it's any good. I permitted you to have it. I gave that to you. 
And then on top of that, I'm faithful to you. I will never owe you anything. King David said this. He said, I have been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I can tell you I've been young and now I'm not terribly old, but I'm getting there. And I can tell you this, I have never been forsaken, not one day. Not one day. Not even when I sat on my floor and sobbed about the situation I was in, in the moment. God was with me. And in that moment, he was working to bring out things and goodness that I couldn't begin to imagine. I love my life. I love my life. Would it have been cool if Charlie was still here? Yeah. Would it have been cool if we wouldn't have suffered the things that we've suffered? Yeah, it'd be cool. But I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't know God the way I know God. I want that for you. I want that for this church. God has always been faithful. If he's been faithful for all of these centuries, what in the world makes you so arrogant as to think he would screw up on little old you? He's not going to ruin his reputation on you. God is going to be faithful to you. That's what Cornerstone has been learning. I hope you've been learning it because it will change your today, your tomorrow, and everything about your life will change when you remember the faithfulness of God and you know that you're living in his goodness. I want to pray with you about that. Father, wow, what a God you are. What a God you are. Everything I have ever given you, you have more than repaid me. And I can't begin to imagine how my investments are going to continue to keep paying off in my children and my grandchildren and the people in this church in my own satisfaction, in heaven. God, (laughs) everything we believe about you is true, and one day we will know it. I pray that you will help every one of us in this room and listening online to put our faith and confidence in you in such a way that we don't resent anyone who has something we don't have because we believe that everything The old song says, all I have needed, your hand is provided. I pray you'll help us to believe that so we can live in it and find it to be true. I thank you for Cornerstone. I thank you for these magnificent people who trust you and follow you. I thank you for the adventure we're having of discovering your will together and working on this wonderful new project together. I thank you because I believe that Eternity is going to tell over and over and over again great stories of who's there because we were faithful. And we're doing it because you're faithful. (laughs) What a God you are. We love you and we thank you. And we ask for your blessing to be on Pastor Jacob today. We ask that you would restore him to health and help him lead us forward to the land that you have for us to conquer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.